Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to discuss the topic of self-worth. Sounds like a good topic. Mm -hmm. And self-worth is um, recognizing deservability in yourself, is recognizing, ironically, self-worth. Well, I would say we all have self-worth. It's just how much is your self-worth rather than is it there. Um, if it wasn't there, that's ideal to have no worth at all, to have everything be of equal value would be wonderful because then you're out of the land of measurement. But the fact and is judgment. we all do have self-worth. It's just what is that? Um, so. Very much in our way, the self-worth thing uh, is this constant self-deprecation that people go through that's really rather pointless or you're completely the other way and feel that everything is yours the world uh, just is there to provide for you yeah. rather than the synergy going on mm -hmm. so well let's do the Mayans so we can put that uh, into the formula and today so in Mayan is? 3 Ben, Ben is the, the tribe, uh, the Skywalker and the pillars that unite the, um, the pillars of heaven and earth mm -hmm. So it's the bringing down the new information. And today's the service of Ben. And both Neville and I are Ben's. So today is the service of Ben. And I notice that it's a core day. So this is a very good day uh, for building the backbone of things. And it's an electric day. So there'll be a, a, a photonic factor in today's uh, process. And the bonding in order to awaken bonding wakefulness. So that's what we do on the show all the time, bonding uh, in order to awaken people. is a very important thing. And uh, something that would do, being awake and low self-esteem, low self-worth are not in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Because the more conscious you are, the more you recognize the value that you have in the world and for others. So for the millionth time on the show, uh, we must we serve ourselves well to recognize that whatever it is that's happening is on our side. Uh, whatever it is that's happening is the most efficient way to get us to wake up and become more conscious. And t uh, the amount of time it takes from the event till you arrive at the idea that that event was on your side varies by individual. <laughs> Results may vary, depending on self-esteem, actually, <laughs> self-worth. So to have it be a nanosecond between the event and your recognition that it is on your side, okay, now that's being conscious. The longer that takes, less conscious, direct math, mm -hmm. direct proportion. Well, I've observed a lot, of, there, there are a lot of books out there and various things that are designed to help people have better self-worth images or self-esteem, things like that. And what I've found, it, it plays the same game that the person is looking to get away from. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Like saying, okay, I may not be good at math, but I'm good at, at uh, music. And that is designed to help us feel better about ourselves. Well, let me find what I am good at. And the belief that everybody has something that they are good at is the same belief that's causing us to feel not good about ourselves. 
It's yeah. not a matter of finding something that we can deem lovable or valuable. It's to get out of that measurement altogether based on the assumption that we are all valuable, period, and that there's nothing we have to do to get there. Once you get out of that land of right and wrong within yourself, the ping-pong game of self-worth, that's mm -hmm. when you start really discovering who you are and the gifts unfold then. But your gifts will not come out if you're demanding that they come out in order for you to love yourself. Meaning, if, you, if my gifts and talents don't come out right now, I'm going to forever withhold love from myself. Well, it's not going to really come out that way. Well, that sounds like a past life if I ever heard one. As you say, the ping pong game of self-esteem um, is a game for a, a less evolved, is a game for a child, is this back and forth. You are always valuable. And we, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the bit drive to succeed in recognizing what's on our side and what isn't on our side. What we can presume is that whatever it is that's going on is totally on our side and it is in fact the most efficient method by which we will take our next step forward, next step higher. The entire concept of um, well, many of us choose to block our success really rather well, and we block it based on the idea of um, fear of change, really truly fear of change. If we are successful, then we will have changed. We can't have that. Oh no, that's the big, one of the bigger propagandas they afford us on this planet. My God doesn't change, don't think you're gonna. You know what I mean? So, well, of course, I change every day. There's nothing that doesn't change. That is just plain a lie. God changes. This is not an absolute universe. It's in a constant state of change. Nothing that doesn't change and nothing that doesn't change for the better. So we cannot even use terms like good and bad anymore. They're fictitious. You can't say this event is good and this event is bad. It just, you just can't. It doesn't work. You will not succeed doing that. Well, you can say that. I prefer this and I prefer that. It's yeah. a much more mm -hmm. accurate way of seeing yes. it. Yeah. Because when we say it's good not. and bad, that means that you're making a decision for everyone then. Yeah. And, and that's the, that the guilt work. manipulation. And we wanted to ask just in general, well, many things from the audience, but is the word should making your life miserable still? Still is the word should, should destroying be. you? You should know better than that. Is the word should still destroying you? You just have to switch it to could. Are you should Your ears will pop. You will be able to dance. The fairies will come out and shake your hand and you'll live in a paradise. Get rid of the word should. You should really do this. Otherwise, you're wrong. Should is a guilt manipulation. How many people still use the word should? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, no, be honest. Okay. There you go. All right. And how long are you going to continue to use the word should? Will it have to kill you? Will the word should cost you another incarnation? All right. Done with that. Now, Really? I, I find myself even in, in dream time, for whatever reason this is, and we are both mid-century people, which is a Tesla was a mid-century person. Uh, he began to peak in the 1870s 
around through into the 30s and 40s. He was the people that are born mid-century are the people that determine the way the following century goes because you really have to hit past 50 uh, before you reach your stride in the human body as a general rule. Okay, so <clears throat> I find myself even in my dream time uh, assessing the 20th century measuring it somehow, uh, having the experiences of the 20th century and translating them into my present life. So a um, very unusual sort came into my mind. I decided to identify the greatest imagination of the 20th century. And so I'm asking people, who do you think is the single greatest imagination of the 20th century. Now, anyone would at first leap towards Einstein because Einstein actually said that imagination is more important than education, one of the more profound truths. But you couldn't put down Walt Disney. I mean, he turned a sketch of a mouse into billions of dollars, even if he had to pass it down to generations in his family. And, and you've got to say Picasso. Before Picasso, there was not abstract art. He was the, really, uh, he and Dolly just set that up, but all they did was open the door for Warhol. So the earlier great imaginations of the 20th century, uh, gotta put Tesla in there, gotta put um, Ford in there, who invented the assembly line, who invented... Um, Tex Avery, Rick says. I don't who's know who Tex that is. Avery? Cartoons. Cartoons, okay. Well, I think the um, brothers that wrote The Matrix were pretty creative. I mean, that yeah, was really groundbreaking, different yes. um, use of uh, science fiction yeah. to, to really go and, and translate metaphors into a movie and realities yeah. into a movie. I thought that was And cool. the invention of the movie camera occurred in the 20th century. And by the end of it, we had the Matrix. iPhones and iPods. Yeah, well, the next jump over, but uh, in, the, in the preceding. Uh, the invention of the light bulb, you know, God, that really works, like that one. The telephone, the radio were invented. Rife invented a device that destroys all germs, that destroys tumors. Uh, all of these people, um, the patent for the radio was given to Tesla in 1943. Nobody even knows that. The average person, if you knock them on the head and say, is anyone in there, uh, who invented the radio? And they'll go, macaroni. And you'll go, no, not so <laughs> much. <laughs> not so much. They it called was it Tesla. macaroni. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so there, who was the greatest imagination of the 20th century? And I don't think we know. I don't think we <clears throat> know the person's name. Because who invented the movie camera? When the camera came around the middle of the 1800s. See, that middle of the century is a very interesting place to incarnate. Yeah, I think every, every place is interesting, and you're right about that, about the, that wave of creativity, because it really is true. We wa ride on waves of or, or currents, cycles, cycles of different types of things, and there are creative cycles, and there are productive cycles, and there are religious, spiritual cycles yeah, <coughs> as well. Yeah. and inspiration. But one thing, I, I was tying this into uh, our subject for tonight, which is self-worth, and you're talking about creativity and um, invention. Was it inspiration? Is that what, imagination? The, the single greatest imagination. Well, I, I was looking into this, and I realized that our self-worth is our auric field. It is our auric field. Oh, that's good. And so 
you, the, to the extent you have self-worth, the extent your auric field is going to be vi vital, have vitality. And we require that certain amount of vitality in order to have that imagination that can go out of this dimensional reality and pull ideas that have never before been ac acted out or executed within this framework. So our self-worth is critical to everything. Mm -hmm. It's critical in us not allowing ourselves to be manipulated by other people's unhealedness. It's critical in our imagination, our creativity, our productivity, and our spirituality. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a very fundamental construct tonight, which is your self-worth. And it's not a matter of getting a new scale to measure yourself by, one that's a little easier. Let me grade myself on a curve. Okay, well, I'm in my 50s now. I can love myself a little more now because I'm grading me on a curve. We're talking about not grading you at all. And it's not about getting a spin doctor to spin your qualities and your personality and your traits into something wonderful. That's still a measurement. We're talking about not withholding love from yourself for any reason whatsoever. And it doesn't matter if everybody on the planet hates your guts, you do not withhold love from yourself. Yeah. I was noticing also how it spins down in a spiral. I was mentioning this to you earlier. Yeah, yeah. One thing happens, let's say somebody says, oh, Fred doesn't like you. And you go, oh, okay. And you kind of metabolize it. And it takes your doubt because your self-worth is, is always hinging on other people's opinions of you. And so then that starts cascading. And then Beth doesn't like you either. And next thing you know, the whole world's doing spitballs at you as you walk by. And the spiral and down. it's what you're doing is attracting that because mm -hmm. your auric field, which is your self-worth, becomes a magnet for stuff like that. Well, we've taught forever that an insult is uh, what the person doesn't like about themselves. So if anyone It is an insult, yeah, so it's so inward. If a person yeah. expresses any insult, they are talking about themselves. And I have always said they've just given you a razor-sharp sword that's tuned to them perfectly. Go ahead, cut their head off because they'll grow another one. And I don't, and it'll be marginally improved, tiny marginally improved. <laughs> but they'll grow it back and it'll be a little improved. And that's about all you can really do around here. And that is a very loving thing to do, it really is. Now about self-esteem, I figured out how to artificially inflate your self-esteem. You go outside in 90 degrees in a long sleeve shirt, and when you come back in, that shirt will be self-esteemed. Uh, All right, good. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, now this leads very easily into the idea of desirability. Not wearing that shirt, uh, it's well-steamed, stop that. No, your desirability is based on you. Okay, That's right. so I'm unbelievably desirable simply because I think of myself that way. I mean, who wouldn't want to keep my company? You know, I've spent years without an automobile so that it? people can uh, um, give me rides places so that they get to be in my presence. And you can say, oh, egocentric, and I'll change the channel and go ahead and change the channel. I don't care because I came here to have a good time. And if there's one thing I'm going to espouse, it's come on, have a good time. Why do you think you're here? I'm here to suffer horribly and I'm here to have people not like me. Fine, choose that particular thing, but in the next nanosecond, you can make a different choice. You, you said a couple things in there that I think are, are really incredible. One is that um, 
you, you referenced the fact that people could get mad and turn the channel yeah, by hearing please. you say that. Yeah. Well, that is a really good example or a demonstration of what we t are talking about when we say everybody's talking about themselves. The things you hate in other people, dislike in other people, are the things you dislike in yourself. The so the person changing, changing the channel is really mad that they don't love themselves that that much and that whatever that block is, they feel completely alone, isolated and abandoned from love because they put this force field around them. Yeah. Their auric field becomes this thing that says your only value is in self-effacement of some sort. That's too bad they won't know they changed the channel. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. The only th as far as I can figure out the Earth incarnation, the one and only thing to do here is have fun. Really, that's it. I well, haven't found anything else to do. People, I, I, I would, I've said this years ago about power. I'd like to redefine power because people think power is power over people. Uh, A lot of people feel fun <clears throat> is in lieu of doing something that's valuable for people. And that fun inherently is slacking off and not doing what you're supposed to do. But what if fun was what you were supposed to do? And when it's fun, you infuse what you do with love. And that work can be fun. Talking to an insurance salesman can be fun. Oh, absolutely. All these things can be fun. Jail is the and opportunity to meet new people. Yeah. Yeah, it really uh, is. I, I, don't, I don't criticize it. But I, I also know that when you have an inflated aura filled with self-worth, your yeah. preferences become very apparent, and you know what's right for you and what's not. I tell you one thing that Neville and I both, I, I'm sure you could say this too, that we hear probably more than anything else is, I'm not sure if this such and such is right for me or if this job is better for me. We are so trained not to trust our intuition. And uh. the low self-worth makes it so we don't trust our word. Like, if you don't like your neighbor, you wouldn't go to your neighbor for advice, would you? You wouldn't listen to it or you wouldn't trust it. So when we don't like ourselves, it's no wonder we don't trust our own instincts. I'm going to open a laundry for self-esteeming shirts. I think yeah. that would work well. Or just launder just people's work field with, yeah, with self-esteem. Yeah, that would work well. Self-worth. Self-worth cleaners. We're invaluable because we have no value because yeah, yeah. we're beyond value. All the way around. So let's have, uh, if anyone would like to call in with uh, thoughts on imagination or thoughts <laughs> on what do you do to increase your self-esteem? And I don't want to hear haagen Okay, I, I would invite that too. And another thing that I wanted to bring up in regards to self-esteem is, is the idea of getting brainwashed. And we are real familiar with being brainwashed with a cult that comes and takes you and t t t takes you off to a room and, and you come out like a Stepford wife, that kind of thing. And that's what we think of. And you're right, people that run those sorts of organizations can spot a good candidate right off the bat. It's because it's a very simple thing. Their auric field is not inflated. There's no life force in it. And it's all being pulled in. Like, okay, I respect every other person, everything else. I respect this um, butterfly's point of view in life more than I respect my own. Oh, yeah. And so what that does is it harmonizes people that, yes, maybe they take advantage of them, but ultimately they will oh, have enough maybe. and they will 
get on their feet. Mm-hmm. And everybody attracts what they require to grow. But our auric field is our self-worth. I'm still thinking You're of thinking of a joke, a, I can tell. As a Stepford wife and how powerful I could be as a Stepford wife. I'd you be really scared if you were a Stepford wife. run for his life. That's the one thing on the planet that can terrify me. <laughs> but all I did it was an ongoing advertisement, which is something you would really shut off if you had any ability to. What? So, Stepford wife is an ongoing advertisement. Yeah. Well, you see my point. You, you would either run away or fall asleep. Okay, so you're extremely powerful as a Stepford Stepford wife or Stratford yeah. wife, depending on Strep where you're Strep wife. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, but fun. That's what I'm saying. Well, you see, what made those Stepford wives so attractive, attractive to the Stepford men is they had absolutely no self-worth. So people that have no self-worth look for someone else who has no self-worth so they can act as the worthy part of this person that has nothing of their own to value. And so when we don't love ourselves, that's when it puts us in that vulnerability to go out there and other people can just lead us around. Oh, may I say something real quick? I got this very strongly. I would like to start a campaign to make illegal collars for dogs that are on leashes have to be harnesses if you're going to do that, not the stuff around their neck. I, it, I just witnessed that for the last time where someone yanked their dog around the neck and oh, like this. Please, please buy harnesses for your dogs and throw those barbaric things around people's necks and dogs' necks away. Just throw them in the trash and let's pretend that was a part of our history that never happened. There's quite a few things going by the wayside in spite of everyone smoking cigarettes. Well, in the future, depicted by uh, Star Trek, the human beings quit, <coughs> pardon me, we quit smoking cigarettes as a group at a certain minute mark in the history of mankind. There was not another cigarette smoked on the planet. And the, the traveling back in time, a group of Ferengis thinking that they would make a killing because the human beings were so susceptible back there, uh, well, we've once again wandered into Star Trek, which is actually a very pleasant place. But there is this increase. It happens to be as slowly as we can possibly do it, as far as I can tell. But it is happening. There are far less, less, less smokers in the world. You're right. Yeah, and so that's very good. You don't, you don't see people smoking. You used to see people smoking everywhere all the time. If you go back even 20 years, maybe, 90s, early 90s. Yeah, you were still seeing people. That's when people were no longer allowed to smoke in not just hospitals, but office buildings. Stop. You're not. So all the smokers would meet outside and conspire to whatever smokers conspire. Oh, they called it social. That's right. Smoking then became social because you were banned and went into small groups. And uh, now, not so much. It's uh, rare to smoke and you hide it when and wherever possible. You don't want other people to know that you smoke because it's a weakness, and it is. That's what it does. It weakens you. And also, you are in a state of, pardon the expression, needy when you smoke. We're outgrowing this. I'm very happy about that. Well, that's something I, I, I think is very good to bring up because if you look at one time people owned each other or tried to, and the awareness came. It's still going on. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah I, but not yeah. as much as it was. Okay, not as much. I, I mean, like, 
one particular case. I mean, things, people of their own volition decided that's not right. And um, in, in the 1950s, there were no child abuse, child welfare laws. And if they did prosecute somebody, they'd use animal abuse laws. And now it's a very uh, visible thing that people yeah. know is not right. Remember when we were kids that littering was a common thing. Everybody just flicks cigarettes and their trash onto the ground. And now it's really um, a, an exceptional moment if someone throws trash on the ground. Everybody feels that that's really not a cool thing to do. So we are evolving. And, yes, and we it's are. Not, and guilt is the thing that prevents us from evolving. So if we feel guilty for having the old collars or the old leashes, then we never move forward and say, yeah, okay, I'm ready for a new thing. Well, that's the whole thing if we're the human race. Very good. We could um, do away with governments. Governments have uh, never quite worked on this planet. Well, and it shows you that our self-worth really aids every living thing on the planet because the more we love ourselves, the more we become considerate of uh, the animals mm -hmm. and the yeah. children and the older people and each other. Well, see, that's another thing. Uh, the um, education on animal cruelty was uh, even 10 years ago perfectly abusive. Uh, what's his name? Snuck into uh, um, factory farms and uh, did footage of uh, chickens being murdered with a fire hose. Well, yeah, and uh, beef being murdered with... I know, uh, yeah. I know you know. I just wanted the people in the audience that didn't hear to actually hear the way cows are executed, but I forget the name of the device. And, uh, you know, so now not so much. And there, there are more vegetarians all the time. That's there right. There are more vegetarians right. all the value. time. And it, it, that will go the way of cigarettes, the same thing. Um, what are you guys doing out there? Hamburgers. <laughs> you know, and uh, come on, man, spit that out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Would you remember the Matrix.com? Yes. It's either Matrix.com or The Matrix. It's like a play of... Yeah. Yeah. Because they couldn't present that in real footage. That was the next place over which the consciousness became so high. No, I, yeah, I, I hear yeah. you, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. There, even um, Silver Diner is now using hormone-free meats and um, local produce and wherever many, possible. And many, many vegetarian like selections. It, and things are changing. Yeah. yeah, things are changing, and that is the whole thing. Um, I'd love to find out the name of the corporation that created Silver Diner. That would be an interesting study. But that's another subject completely. And well, the idea of we, the human race, are improving our self-worth. Collectively, we are loving ourselves more. Yeah, and so more this, and more. This show is to assist for the further along. Let's take yeah. it. Let's not stop. I mean, we don't have to rein it in. Let's just have this be a big love fest. And we mm -hmm. can only see the value, the worth, or love other people to the extent we see the value and worth within ourselves. So you really are doing this for the entire world as well mm -hmm. as doing it for you. And something you can do when you're at those moments where it feels like you're deflated, close your eyes and with each breath, every inhale, just feel your field getting filled with this mm -hmm. beautiful golden light and more and more. And after a while you create this zone of silence around you I've done that meditation on the show and might mm -hmm, be even in mm -hmm. the archives with that on it, that this zone of silence surrounds you and anything that comes through that gets transmuted and the real truth and the blessing becomes visible to you. Yeah. And that bubble of silence really is your self-worth. 
Yeah, so, so our self-esteem and our self-worth is rising as a group. As the, there's uh, another one we've taught for years and years and years. There's a grand total of one, uno, one family on the planet Earth. One. There is no one to whom you are not directly related. No one. And if you don't like someone, that's like the relative in the family that you don't want to speak to, but you know you're gonna, and you're gonna see them on the holidays, and you'd like to see them improve, but then again you have to realize that you, it's you that has to improve. Because when you're in the presence of someone who is self-actualizing, you are more or less driven to be a better you. So the, if you really want to get even with these people, improve you. That is the way that works. You know, I, I, I wish um, if there's anybody out there watching that has done sessions with me where we mm -hmm. have done that, we've mechanically um, looked at this and discovered ways to change ourselves instead of fighting with the external. And the fact is, is people do change immediately because you cannot change yourself and the dynamic with you and another person stay the same. It's absolutely impossible for that to happen unless you consciously choose that. But yeah. if you're choosing to make a change. So if anybody and out again, there has actually experienced that and wants yeah. to call in and talk about that, that would be great. What's up? I'm uh, just waiting for someone to call in. Now, oh. uh, uh, years ago, and this is another place in which our consciousness is growing, I remember thinking I had a friend and uh, I realized that I would have to re-language in my head the way I felt about this person in order for me to see that they had improved. Follow, so I had to arbitrarily re-language that view of the person before they could appear to me as improved. Otherwise, my belief that they were at a certain level would keep them at that level, no matter what they did, I would see it as. So this idea of increasing the worth of everyone around us is very important. And I'm still asking you if should is running your life. Okay, now, because that's really got to come to an end. I just, you know, the word, I, the person will say the word and I just will never say another word and I'll just leave because I have nothing, you know what I'm saying, there's nothing there. Well, I think it takes us a while, just like everything else evolving and changing, to yeah. get out of that habit because, I mean, it was a placeholder of a certain concept, an assortment yeah. of concepts that takes a while to pull it out and really re do the rethinking involved in that. So don't be hard on yourself. Oh, well, you should I? not say should. <laughs> I should imagine. I'm starting to confuse myself. What, what, what day is this? No one knows. Okay. It's been debated since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take debate with debating? I'm, I'm just hearing language debate, codes you are and everything. The beta. Yeah, no, the, me the too. should the should thing. I would say the most critical aspect, the reason to to dislodge that from your thinking. Start by stopping it within yourself, because the you real do. place that we do it, um, I mean, you know, you can catch yourself uh, talking and putting it in sentences when you're speaking to someone else, but what really does the most imploding type of withholding of energy is when you focus it at yourself internally in your own head, and it's usually a tape of somebody else earlier in your life. Yeah. And we have a call. Yes, hi caller. What's your name, please? Hey, Neville. This is Jim Cole. Hey, how we doing? 
Fine. How are you? Better and better. Hey, how you doing? Is this the poet Jim great? Cole? Jim. Yes. Hey, all right. It's so good to hear your voice. And by the way, just real quickly before we get to your question, I just wanted to tell the world, you, you really are an incredible poet. I love your poetry. It's just sensational. Mm-hmm. Now, what can we, we do for you Facebook tonight? We were on Facebook earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim, what's up? Um, it was interesting. When Whitney Houston came out with her song, The Greatest Love of All, mm-hmm. yep. 1986, 1986 was a year of um, awakening for me. Mm-hmm. And I could not sing that song because I didn't have any self-love or self-esteem. Mm. Whoa. It was a long time before I could... Um, before I could realize that I had to be able to love myself before I could love anybody else. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is really beautiful. And you brought up a good point, too. The things that we find we cannot do tell us a lot about what's going on inside. And everything in our life is lovingly telling us where love is not infiltrating our being. Mm-hmm. And I know it's all love ultimately but just in that moment. Eleanor Roosevelt said, every day do something that you are afraid to do. Yeah, that's a good way to get past the fear. And Mm -hmm. I also know that there's a a great byproduct of everything. And if we don't love ourselves, we will lead us. The real, that the fact is, or the secret is, is we really do love ourselves unconditionally. And that we will always do from some other level that we're not conscious of, everything in our power to put us in the path of something that's going to wake us up, whether it's flipping on a television show, whether it's a beautiful poem that comes through us and is all of a sudden on the paper and we read it. Jim, you've probably experienced that yourself. I know I have. Or um, we meet a person on the street that seems random. We are orchestrating our own awakening at every moment, and it's Mm -hmm. really quite exciting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be at the computer uh, trying to write, and then all of a sudden something will come through, and I'll write it down, and I'll read it a couple days later, and I'll, I'll have forgotten that I've written it because um, it wasn't for me. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. See, and we talk to ourselves through that, that divine inspiration, the automatic writing. Everything in our life really is automatic. And the way I see it is that our... We will, f- love will find us just like the roots of a plant will go around a rock, a boulder, and it will find the place where there's nutrients and water for mm-hmm, it, or mm-hmm. the plant will go around a corner to get to the sunlight. We, love will always find us. No, mm-hmm. Even if we get really twisted and, and seeming to lose our way, we'll always find it. And so it's well, always it, there. What really, ha- what really helped me was um, the prayer of St. Francis. It's when you uh, no longer want to be understood, but you want to understand, and you want to, um, you, you begin to realize that you can be loved if you become love. Oh, that's, it, yeah. that's beautiful. That's very I well I love put. that. That's very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Whatever we want to have or whatever experience, like fun we want to have, we have to be fun and mm. be loved. And um, be understanding, and uh, that's what uh, makes us aware of the fact that we are one uh, loving family, and we do love each other unconditionally when we begin to accept ourselves, and then we can accept everybody else. 
Yeah, very good. Very well said. Thank you very much. It's yeah. brilliant. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you very good much. Good to see you guys. Jim. Good to hear from Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Love excellent. to see you again sometime. Yeah, now I had thought a great deal about the um, music of the 20th century, who is the greatest imagination in music, which led down a lot of different paths since the recording industry was invented in the 20th century. And so the average person but had access wasn't. to hundreds of thousands of uh, songs that, uh, if we go back a century, nothing like that was taking place. You heard music only when the family got together and played music, or only when you went to the county fair, or perhaps if you were uh, going to a concert or a theater or something. But music was not commonly heard. Now uh, the average kid would have to have the earbuds removed surgically, uh, and the iPod would have to die a horrible death in order for them not to constantly be listening to music. So music has a very, very positive effect on the rhythms, literally, within the brain. Because as we all know, a piece of music can snap you around and you can just be happy, mm -hmm. just diabolically happy, just annoyingly happy. I call that biodolically yes, happy. Yes, just everyone around you annoyed with how happy you are just because you're listening to Pink Cadillac or Pump It Up or whatever song that might be. So of all the, and so there were so many, many, many geniuses. Radar Love was one that did that for yeah, me. Yeah, expressing <laughs> itself through music in the 20th century. So you have to kind of take a look. So I would have to say that the Beatles created a genre, that they were so at the beginning of what became rock and roll. Rock and roll was out of the, if we go back to the 40s, 50s, you were very classically trained, whoever you were. Um, Dino, Dean Martin, was classically trained that did uh, songs that could just whip you around. But that's what remained the same, the whipping around, the idea that uh, if you put on Mambo Italiano, but Mumbo you Italiano. could put that up against uh, Radar Love. <laughs> you know, really, you could because it would have the same uh, emotional and the same physiological and it's so effect on your. too for a person's rhythm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there were so many people that took the muse of music and proceeded to. Now, I'm saying a lot of the uplifting of consciousness has been due to music. And so I have for years been and encouraged a dozen people I've met to write lyrics that will make you more conscious instead of unconscious. And I was really behind Alanis Morissette, thank you, until there was the, the song or two, I don't remember, um, that just left. All right, here, go ahead. Just. I'm just listening to you, I don't know. Okay, so there, there is the possibility of taking that rhythm and putting into it information uh, as we've said, for example, the minute you can realize that everything that happened in your life mm -hmm. had your signature on it, there is the minute that you can realize that everything that ever happened, every single thing that ever happened, was totally on your side. Okay, now somebody could put that in music very easily, and it would get quite a bit of traction theoretically if humanity, see the, the music has gone up incrementally as humanity has gone up in consciousness. In other words, the music cannot be popular and more conscious than we are. So you got Blue Oyster Cult and you got, uh, and we love the Rolling well, Stones. <laughs> we do, absolutely. 
I and think that there, there's finally getting some more creativity back into music. I know for a number of years, all it was doing is re redoing music from the past in an inferior way in many regards. But it, it is, what is popular in music really is a reflection of what's going on gestalt-wise in, in humanity. humanity. Yeah. And so if you look back, I think it would be an interesting study to see what kind of rhythms within the music and, and sort it, maybe do a database and sort it by a number of different categories, one being um, the, the rhythm to it, one being the lyrics, one being the feel that it emanates because there was an era of a lot of anger coming through the music and there's still, still certain types that take care of that anger. Well, some of the so new music these, does yeah, have that yeah, anger. These are the outlets for the various emotions that we don't allow ourselves to really understand and mm -hmm. feel. Now, in the um, 40s, there were the, it was the big band era. And it was also World War II. So the two merged together and you got Boogie Woogie. I thought you were going to say the Big Bang <laughs> War. Big Bang, you know, that band. one's not yet. The uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle, Bugle Boy, Boy of, of Company, Company B. B. Yeah, so that now, the latest version of that particular ripple in creativity or ripple in the muse of music or ripple in our expression is um, uh, rhythm, right? Uh, I forgot the name of the group. It's, um, was on uh, American Idol or one of the dance shows. Um, anyhow, there's a group that uh, the name of the song is Rhythm, and it's really moving. And and this mm -hmm. guy in a very um, professorial voice talks about rhythm and how without rhythm our heart wouldn't even beat and how rhythm is part of us. Oh, does anybody know the name of that? I might recognize it when I hear it. Well, well, well uh, either way, but just I'm well, saying you can see ripples through music. Also, and if you go back far enough, you know, the first guy that, that banged a hollow log and got a drum sound mm -hmm. out of it, uh, every time that's cycled through. Who knows, it might have been a woman, too. The person, yeah, uh, that cycled through. Uh, it has become more elevating because the group listening to it no. has gone up. Yeah, yeah. And we do love the Grateful Dead concerts as well. So. Yeah, yeah. There was something I was going to add to that prior to there, but but you're right. Music is a way. Oh, I know. The music we love represents the parts of us we love. So if you love certain t styles of music that communicate a certain emotion, that's a way to look at how you feel about yourself. Another thing I think before we get to the next segment that's really important to illustrate here in our self worth is. The, the people and the things, well, let's, let's confine it to people for the moment, that you dislike in your life, the people that really irritate you, whether it's your boss, your neighbor, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, whoever it is, those people that you really dislike, they are representing a judgment you have placed upon yourself that is preventing you from being fully conscious of your own value. So you may want to look at that, and instead of saying, he, she, or they, put yourself I in there, and it will bring you a lot of revelation. Mm-hmm. Works very well. It does indeed. I've done it. And uh, the very principle proof. of not forgiving people because there's nothing to forgive, but indeed loving people for what it is you don't Sometimes we can do a scared and moldy duck instead of a sacred and moldy duck. Okay. Oh, I got a long one. Okay. 
trade if it in you for have a, a voice within you saying you cannot paint, then by all means paint and the voice will be silenced. Vincent Van Gogh. He that cannot reason is a fool. He that will not reason is a bigot. He that dare not reason is a slave. Andrew Carnegie. Mm, great. And that's true because uh, guilt um, trumps logic. Yeah. And the slavery and guilt are synonyms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are slave guilt, guilty slaves on this planet. Mm. Till we outgrow yeah, that. Yeah, we're slaves to guilt, that's for sure. Because yeah. uh, when I was younger, I observed that there, there were two types of families that either you disciplined with guilt or you disciplined with violence. And I found that um, to an extent, I don't mean extreme violence, but to an extent, the violence kind of stops at a certain point, but the guilt will just go on forever and ever. And it's time to set yourself free. You can have a guiltotomy, you know, and that's what this guilt show is about, guilt the guiltotomy. Yeah. yeah. We have our first caller of the section, post-duck section. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, um, Neville. Happy birthday. Happy upcoming oh, birthday. Thank you. Um, I just had a birthday, and I was hoping to get a reading with Mary. Oh. Okay. Yes, Neville's birthday is coming up, and um, I did post it on the website yeah, in case you were wondering. Uh, the 24th of August, technically, but we're having the party Saturday, I believe. Sunday is when it's scheduled, but I'm thinking of moving it to Saturday, so it's probably best it's in This weekend coming up. Okay. Well, the first card we got... Um, is the isolation and the isolation card speaks of the things that we put around us that keep us isolated and since it's ice that represents frozen emotion and when we don't allow our emotions to leave us they, they become stagnant and cold and prevent us from really getting close and this person is allowing the rainbow tears of passion to melt that ice and I feel like this is saying to you that maybe some old passions that you've had in your life that you put up on a shelf that you're starting to say I have to melt these things and either get them out of my freezer and clear up uh, room for me to put other uh, projects on my in my life or I have to resolve it in some way and by doing that it completely reconfigures your whole energy field and it's an opportunity to be reborn and I feel like there have been times when people may have drug you around and you fought and that was really an energy drain and now you're seeing really what it's about and you're finding your your delicate balance the one that's on top of the mountain rather than at the base of it and that leads us to very powerful places and as is the next card showing us the breakthrough breaking out of those old limitations there are some wonderfully creative ideas and I feel like um, you're there's just such an interestingness there that it's time to let that out and let the whole world see it as well as just the people close to you mm -hmm. and that that would be very beneficial. Yeah, and I want at some point here to show the latest waveform device which is that one there. This one? And uh, yeah, the just lady? this is the latest oh. in the system the waveform. And we have our next caller. Hi caller, what's your name please? Uh, this is Alexandra. Alexandra, what can we do for you? Well, first of all, I wanted to join and uh, also wish you a uh, happy upcoming birthday. Oh, thank you. I'll be 610. 
Paul. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I also wanted to have a reading with Mary, please. Okay. That's very kind of you. <laughs> yes. Okay, the first card, the sorrow. We often think that the, the sorrows in our life detract from us and robbed years of our life when in actuality they were the, the weight that we required where we were at that time to go deep within ourselves, And we really don't have to have anchors tied around our neck to go deep within us. We can do that through joy too, which is something I feel you're figuring out. Now the politics card can talk about taking on so much that you're trying to keep everybody happy and then nobody's happy, most of all you. And it's also talking about how much honesty is important to you where people are just upfront and say what they feel and that it can be very disoriented for people that are very clear in that way to be around areas uh, like workplaces where people are doing these um, political games. And one piece of advice I would give you there is just to pan up higher and, and look at the global picture and not get caught up in any of that. And the postponement, and whether this is your job or whatever, wherever you feel like going, don't put it off. Allow the, the colored world to be in your present, not in your future. And today is the day where there's power. You can't catch tomorrow's fish with today's worm. So it's much better to live for happiness today. Happy steps today will lead to happy places tomorrow. And we have another call. And baby steps today will lead to adolescent steps tomorrow. Only kidding, adolescent. Hi, caller. What's oh, your name, please? Lead to dance steps. My name is Roger Zara Jr. Hi. Um, okay. I believe you've all met my family before, my parents, so Diana, before, like in the reading. Thank you so much. I just want to wish you a never happy birthday as well. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, I didn't catch... I was wondering if you're also August birthday or September. Uh, sorry, uh, 24th that. of August. Oh, 24th of August. Mine would be today, the 19th. And I was actually wondering if, uh, for, if Mary can give me a, a reading. If sure. I can get a reading from you. Yeah, certainly. Sure. And what and was... Happy birthday again. Well, thank you very much for that. Thank you. And, thank you. and uh, I did not hear if there was a question, something about oh. his parents. Oh, no, no, there wasn't uh, no question, just for a reading. Oh, okay, just a reading. Okay. I didn't know if you had something specific you wanted me to address. Well, the first um, card here well. is the Fool card. And the Fool card in the tarot deck is a good card. It's not what, how we normally use the word fool. But the fool is the innocent, and there are so many things that we could never do if we didn't bring our innocence into it. Think back on your adolescence and you'll know what I mean. That innocence is required for us to take that bold, courageous action, and so it's not a derogatory thing at all. It's a very empowering thing. We could all bring more foolishness into our life. And that innocence is bringing you to a state of awareness. And I feel like you are a really good judge of character, but you don't always allow that to come up for you consciously, but that you know things immediately. And part of that is because you know your essence, and so you can read it in other people, and that there's a lot being revealed to you right now. The past lives says to look at some of the cycles going on in your life and apply that, look at how things happened, like rhythms from the past to understand rhythms that are going on now, but not to get bound to it, but look at the rhythms. Well, thank you. And do we have time for one more? Okay. No? Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name's Donna. Donna, what can we do for you? 
Hi. Well, I have a lifelong reoccurring dream. Oh, okay. A lifelong what? Reoccurring dream. We'll probably Ooh, have to get a little yeah. more volume to hear. Okay? Yeah. Okay. What's the okay, dream? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Okay. Um, I had the first one at about five years old, and the latest one was just last week. And they wow. are airplane crash dreams. And actually, there's, it's not just airplanes. It's helicopters. There's even a blimp, um, different kinds of planes. I'm not in them when they crash. I'm always the observer. And sometimes I'll be in a plane, but it will land, and I'll get out. And then it goes up again and will crash. Wow. Can you have something? And, the fact oh, that... Oh, go ahead. Oh, d uh, just one last thing. Um, sometimes there are various different uh, distances away, and other times they'll crash right next to me, and I'm in the middle of the wreckage. Ah. But you're always okay? I'm always okay. Okay. You know, it's, it's funny. I think there was a, a lot of things to that, but in a way... That is like your higher self coming to say, uh, let's say these dreams, and, and you may want to go back and write down the times you remember and what was going on in your life when you had those dreams, because that could be your symbolism to say, things are unfolding, and it may look like it's crashing all around me, but you're going to be okay. It's like a way of comforting you. And mm. the fact that it was different vehicles in different distances away from you probably gave additional personal messages to the specific events. Go ahead. Another very, um, in my mind, apparent interpretation of this is simply the incarnation. Uh, from our soul's point of view, from very high up, uh, from the place where a piece of God made the decision to be separate and then spent eons just being separate without ever incarnating, and then to make the decision to incarnate uh, is very much like an airplane ride. I see how that's very realistic. And when we touched down to Earth, it would seem like we crashed. You know, the man who fell to Earth, the particular cadence in that statement, the idea of viewing this as the crash. But it's not. It's not at all. Uh, our higher self, our soul, agrees to have incarnations, to get experience, to get evolution to occur, so that our spirit self can become greater. And if that information is placed in your consciousness in such a way that it amends, and we'd love to hear from you again, uh, especially if this dream is different the next time you, you dream it. Because, and I know we, we're about out of time on the show in general. Yeah, uh, I'm going to make an announcement. Yeah, and, and we have announcements to make. So, mm -hmm. um, But let us know, if, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call back. Yeah, yeah. If that's I you think, incarnating. Yeah, I, I, if you don't mind, I mean, if you're watching next week, do call us because we really could talk about that dream for a little while. Yeah. Or those dreams. Oh, sure, I'd be happy and to. I'd, oh, that'd be wonderful, and I'd love to hear more about it. But mm -hmm. thank you so much for calling in. And I know you. we're just about to wrap up, but we'd love to hear from you again. And um, I, I wanted to mention that the new moon, the Fire Ceremony Vegetarian Potluck, is this Saturday. And I was doing a little gathering for your birthday on Sunday, but I may combine them and let's just have a big party well, well, on Saturday. Just, yeah, let's just have yeah. the party on Saturday okay. so people so know what's going So those of you on. that may be coming on Sunday, we're doing it come Saturday. Come Saturday, anyhow. Okay. Come um, both days, we don't care. Yeah, yeah, come both days. We'll just do it both days. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, check check your email. In other words, I, we will make a firm decision. Mm -hmm. And there's an EFT this weekend on Sunday. Uh, group oh. EFT. Mm -hmm. Anybody would like to attend? And Master Healing on... And Master Healing and Sekim on Saturday. That's very important for people. That's an amazing. This means wrap it up. 30 yes. seconds. Okay. And this means I'm an alien. This Help means me. My 20 seconds, 10 seconds. No? Okay. Anyway, it was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And we'll be doing a dream show and some more reading shows coming up soon. That's a good one. And uh, we'd love to show. There's so much dreaming going on. I know. Right well, on. Inception. I've been... Yeah. Thank you.